Well, once again, good evening and welcome to our Thursday night service. Um, I'm Mike Jaderson. Uh, you heard from my brother, Matt, my older but shorter brother um, earlier. Um, it's, we're so glad you're here. And how many of you appreciate the coolness today um, and the rain? Oh, it's beautiful. I've been waiting that. I got to put on jeans this morning. I was so excited. Um, so glad that you are uh, with us this, this evening. Now, we've been in a series. Um, we're, we're going through the Gospel of Mark, and I think it's been, you know, six or seven weeks, and we're not even through the first chapter yet, so we might be uh, in Mark here for a while. But the uh, topic for this evening is prayer, is prayer. And um, I have to be honest, as I was um, thinking about what, what, what do I say about prayer, I, you know, I was, I was, my gut reaction was prayer seems very basic. Kind of, it's kind of elementary. Not that it's not important, but it's just like as Christians, we know we should pray, right? What, what more can I say? And you know, the more sermons I listen to seem to just to be this urging to pray. And I was thinking about this in my own life. I've, I've grown up in the church and I know a lot of people um, and, and I've always just been around people of faith. And I was thinking about my past in my life and I've never heard anyone say, I wish I prayed less, right? Like I've never had a conversation with someone and they're just like, you know, I hate being in such close connection with God, you know, right? Like I just hate, you know, you know, just speaking with the creator of the universe. You know, you never hear that. But I think if I were to ask and we were to be honest with ourselves, if, you know, if you wish you prayed more or, or had a more vibrant prayer life, there are probably many of us, myself included, that would say, yes, I do wish I prayed more and I, I was um, you know, more consistent in my prayer life. So why don't we? That was a question I, I wrestled with. What, what, why is it? And, you know, I came up, I thought of a couple things. One, maybe perhaps we think prayer is ineffective. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe God has not answered prayer in the way that you've hoped in the past, or maybe, um, maybe, maybe prayer, the, you know, the Christian faith for you is you enjoy the tradition and the worship and the way that, you know, the songs and, 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 and the things about the tradition of Christianity, but you don't, really don't see, uh, you know, the God as, as a personal being more, you just enjoy the tradition, and so prayer doesn't really have a say or, or have much of a place in your life. Maybe, um, maybe we struggle to pray uh, simply because we just don't know how or don't know what to say. Perhaps you're new to the faith, and, and you, you know maybe it's, it's good to pray, but what does that look like? Maybe um, we struggle with to pray because uh, we're distracted. I think probably this would be um, one I struggle with the most, is we just are busy. We have a lot going on in our life, and we have a lot of things vying for our attention. And whatever the case may be, we have to be honest. I think most of us, if asked, would want and desire to pray more, but struggle to do so. And so I want to ask the question this evening, what's at stake when we don't pray? What, when we live prayerless lives as followers of Jesus, what's at stake? What does that mean? What's lost? 
So we're going to dive in. We're in Mark uh, 1, verses 35 and 37. And before I get to our text, um, I want to make a, a comment about Mark's gospel. See, Mark's gospel is interesting because it moves at, at a very fast pace. In fact, Mark uses the word immediately, something like 41 times, all right, which is way more than all of the other gospels combined, okay? Mark does away with the, the birth uh, narrative. He's like, we're getting, to the, we're getting to this right now. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus is here, and he wants to move the pace. And yet, this contrasts with how Mark describes Jesus' rhythm of life and of ministry. So, let me read our text, Mark 1, 35-37. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. You can go back to the the text for a minute. This is a very short verse, but there's a lot to unpack here. So you've got this scene, right? Just before, the, the, the day before, you've got Jesus doing all of these miracles, doing healings and, and um, casting out demons. And so then the next morning, he goes off to a solitary place. All right, I find, he finds a place on a, a mountain or something, and he goes to pray. And his disciples wake up, and they see that there's a crowd of people ready to be healed, to hear the, the, the message of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus. And so they're like, oh my goodness, things are going well. Like our church growth strategy is working. We got to find Jesus. We got to tell him um, so that he can do more miracles and we can keep growing and growing and getting bigger and bigger. So they go off, they find Jesus. And the funny thing is, if we were to read on, Jesus um, goes, well, okay, let's go to the next village. He doesn't even go back. What an interesting story. But what, what we actually find is this is a common occurrence in the life of Jesus, right? We see this all throughout, you know, three times in Mark and, and through the other Gospels, right? When, when Jesus uh, was baptized, it said he was praying in Luke 3. When he was transfigured, it said he prayed as the form of his face was altered, right? Before he chose uh, the, the apostles, he prayed. In Mark 14, he says he went up into a mountain alone to pray. When he was in the garden, Gethsemane, he said, sit here while I pray, Clearly, there is a rhythm to Jesus' life where he consistently found time to go and to pray. So interesting, right? To think that Jesus, God's son, went to pray. But I want to zero in on, on the setting here for just a moment. That word, it says there that he went to a solitary place. And I looked up some different translations of um, this, this verse, and there were like six different ways this was translated. Okay, it was like um, solitary, um, uh, deserted, lonely, isolated, desolate, um, all these different ways. But, you know, as I was thinking about that, I, I was like, do places like that even exist today? Like last weekend, I was so excited, so excited because I was planning a camping trip uh, to take my three-year-old son to Santa Fe Lake. I don't know if any of you had, have been there. I had never been. I just looked it up. and was like, I'm doing this. I need to uh, get out of Wichita, go be in nature. So I went out, 
And of course, um, unfortunately, at about midnight, I get a call from uh, my sweet wife that she is feeling awful. I come back, she actually had strep throat and had a 102 degree fever. And I'm like, I can't even get away for a night, right? This, we live in a culture, right? It's okay, I forgive you, honey. Um, we live in a culture that like to be alone seems so foreign. Like things move so fast and things are going on. To be in a lonely, solitary, deserted place. I mean, how many times a day can you actually be honest and say you are alone? You know, as I thought about this, I feel like there are a lot of times when I am by myself, or you may find yourself by yourself, but rarely am I ever alone. Because even in those times, there's something vying for my attention, right? We have so much media, our cell phones, we've got TV screens that even when we're by ourselves, it's not as if we're actually alone. Like, I have a six-minute commute to Eastminster, but the second I get in my car, I'm like, I gotta turn on a podcast. Like, I need something in the background or music or, you know, we go on runs and we have earbuds in our ears. Even when we're by ourselves, we're not alone. Anyone with me on that one? It is hard to be alone. And I, I really believe as Christians, as modern day Christians living in the world that we live in today, we need to rediscover the importance of having a lonely place, of having a solitary place. I, I think Henry Nouwen says this better than I ever could. Go ahead and put that quote up on the screen for me. He says this, somewhere we know that without silence, words lose their meaning. That without listening, speaking no longer heals. That without distance, closeness cannot cure. Somewhere we know that without a lonely place, our actions quickly become empty gestures. The careful balance between silence and words, withdrawal and involvement, distance and closeness, solitude and community form the basis of the Christian life and should therefore be the subject of our most personal attention. You know, I read that and I think, yeah, that is important for a Christian to understand. But I think even if you don't believe in, in Jesus, it, that we all know that there is some truth to this, that there is a balance to life. And so I ask the question tonight, what's at stake? What happens when we live our lives without a lonely place? What happens when we live our lives without a rhythm of prayer? without a rhythm of communing with God. So I'd like to spend the rest of the time just suggesting uh, four things, four things that we lose when we don't have a lonely place, when we don't incorporate prayer in our lives. So first, without a lonely place, we tend to do life in our own strength. Without a lonely place, we tend to do life in our own strength. Another way to put this is a prayerless life is a powerless life. Right? All throughout Jesus' ministry, you can see this pattern of Jesus praying and then miraculous things happening. And it's no coincidence that this was going on. Charles Spurgeon, uh, in a sermon about this, said, The early morning of prayer explains the evening of power. 
Right, we can see this in another um, um, instance in Mark uh, where the, the disciples come to Jesus because there's this boy who they can't seem to exercise or cast out a demon. And they go, what's going on? Why is this not working? And Jesus says, well, this can only cast out through much prayer. It's interesting because as I was thinking about this, we can do this life in our own strength. You know, contrary to what what people think, we can even do the Christian life in our own strength. Like if we were to say to Joseph and, and, and Jenny and Robert, go up here and just, you know, lead us, they are talented enough. They could do the songs. We could do the Bible studies. We could do the church thing on our, in our own strength. The problem is it's void of any power. Without connection and communion with the Father, there's no power. We can do this life in our own competency, but it must be lived in divine connectedness if we are to see God's power in this life. Number two, without a lonely place, we forget what's most important. Anyone here have trouble saying no? All right. Yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I see some, some uh, elbowing. All right. Here's, here's how you know if you have a problem saying no. Have people told you you have a pro- or you have a problem saying no? All right. If so, then you have a problem saying no. Okay, right? Everyone knows. Here's what's interesting about this passage: Jesus said no to important things to pray. Right? It wasn't it wasn't as if Jesus was like, you know, I healed a bunch of people yesterday. Today's my off day. I got nothing else to do. I'm going to go pray. There were crowds of people waiting to be healed. Like the disciples are going to Jesus like, hey, we've got a, a bunch of work for you to do. There was important things to be done. But for Jesus, prayer was a non-negotiable. He had to do ministry out of a divine connection and communion with the Father. Without a lonely place, without prayer in our life, we forget what's most important. Number three, without a lonely place, we, credit, we tend to credit ourselves instead of God, or we credit other things instead of God, right? Have you ever had someone um, get credit for something you did, right? That's frustrating, maybe in your profession or, or, or families, you know, you, something you worked really hard on and somebody else receive credit for it. It makes me wonder, what does God think? In all the times, we tend to think very highly of ourselves and what we've accomplished in this life. You know, it's interesting, Mark, uh, in his gospel, he mentions three times Jesus praying, all right? The last one was in the Garden of Gethsemane, but the other two are after, the, the day after massive ministry successes, right? Like this first one, it said that the whole town was there and Jesus healed many people. And the, and the, the one later on, there's a, um, uh, Jesus feeds 5,000 people. And then the very next day, it says he goes off to a mountain and prays. Why is that? I think that there's a rhythm here because when you pray after your successes, you realize where success actually comes from. Right? James 1.17 says, every good and perfect gift is from above. 
coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. So often, we tend to look at our life and, you know, sometimes we say, we look at our, our success in business or we look at our success in our, our families or in, in what, we, what we've achieved and we kind of puff our chests. But really, the truth is all blessing, all good things come from God and God alone. And when we forgo prayer in our life, we tend to forget that. So without a lonely place, without a rhythm of prayer, we credit ourselves instead of God. Finally, last one. Without a lonely place, we think that what we see is all there is. We tend to think that all we see is all there is. What we see is all there is. Or in another way, prayer helps us see the world as God sees it. And this is the one that I've been really just trying to wrestle with and pray over. And, and it's been just rattling around my brain. Because here's what I see a lot of. And, and I work with um, middle school students. Okay, So this happens a lot with middle school students. But I, I think that we do this too um, in our adult life. We tend to separate and segregate the things that we do in our life, right? Like the way I think about it is we tend to think of our spiritual stuff and then we have our physical stuff, right? Our spiritual stuff tends to be like our church, you know, we worship, maybe we do a devotional, maybe we have a Bible study group. That's, that's our spiritual stuff. That's, that's that realm. But then we have this other side, which is like all the normal stuff people do, right? We've got a job, all right? We have a family, we have hobbies, and these tend to be in like kind of different quadrants, all right? We see this all the time in, in middle school students who, you know, have their, the way that they are at youth group and, and in the way they are at school. And, and one of the things I like to challenge them with is, you know, is that really the way that God sees it? It's interesting. I've been wrestling with this because Jesus did Besides doing like public ministry and healings and all this, all this stuff, Jesus actually did something else for most of his life. Like he was part of a small family business, all right? Joseph and Sons, right? His carpentry, right? Like what does it mean that the God of the universe in sending his son, that his son was a carpenter? Like I, I, I'm still trying to wrap my brain around, what does that mean for us? What does that mean for our jobs, like, like, I enjoyed, I, I had the, the privilege of making these, these tables. And part of, part of me in doing that, you know, doing that work was actually like believing, like, this is, there's something spiritual to this, of creating something, being part of this. When we pray, I think it helps us see the world the way that God sees it, that perhaps these quadrants and these boundaries that we make aren't as significant as we think, but rather there's something extremely important, that there's something spiritual about what we do, our work, our jobs, our families, our hobbies, that God cares about those areas of our life, not just our attendance on Sunday morning. You know, I... I was thinking about how to, to illustrate this, and I realized I had a, a significant um, event happen in my life that, that I think um, shows this. Some of you know my testimony. I, uh, in college, um, 
I went through a really dark season. Um, I entered into a pretty um, major season, about two years of, of depression. I went from being a basically straight-A student to completely flunking out of school. All right, not many people realize that, and I had to transfer back from the school I was at back to uh, Sterling, where I finished out my career. And it was a really dark season in my life. It was confusing. I was just wrestled with a lot of things. But I remember near the end of that uh, um, season, I, I, I got to go on a mission trip to Fiji. All right, and trying to do fee, or trying to do mission trips when you're depressed is very hard. I don't recommend it, okay? Because I was there, and it was challenging. And I remember I, during the day, you know, we were doing this ministry, but I just, in the evenings, I kind of had to put on a face. In the evenings, I was just wrestling in my soul. I remember being at a worship night, and I'm just like, do I even believe this? What is going on? Something pretty incredible happened. We were at a, um, this little worship, it's kind of this, this basement church that we got to help lead some worship, and they had a guest speaker, a pastor, come in, and his name was uh, Pastor Lyle, and um, they, he was a proclaimed, that they introduced him um, as the prophet. I'm like, oh, this is going to be interesting, all right? And he's there, and he's sharing, and I remember afterwards, he gave a great sermon, um, but then afterwards, there's just some time of ministry. And our team's there, and they're, they're you know, helping with the band. The, the music's playing, and he's going around, and he's praying for people and putting his hand on people. Um, and I can notice, I, I'm starting to get nervous because he's working his way down the line. And, like, I'm just sort of in this crowd. I'm kind of trying to, like, oh, because I don't want to make a scene or anything. And I remember he gets to me. And I'm like, what is going to happen? He turns around, and he, and he motions, and he quiets down the band. And I'm like, you didn't do this with anyone else, right? Like, <laughs> he quiets down the band, and then he looks at me. And I actually, I'm so thankful to my friend Sam. He wrote down what he prayed for me that day, and I actually have, have kept it to this day. This is a prophetic word from Lyle, pastor from New Zealand, after he preached at church in downtown Suva, 7-17-2011. He goes and he reads a story um, uh, of Elisha. Um, which I I had pulled up the the text here. It says, don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. You see what's happening at this time, for a little context, there is this army surrounding Elisha's men, and this general comes up and is like, we are doomed. There are so many more of the enemy. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened his servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So he said this, and then he said this, am I not a God who is more than enough? God is for you who can be against you. Lift your heart, lift your head. Today, I'll take hold of your heart and your head to show you more people are for you than against you. Lift your heart, lift your head. Can't you see that there are more for you than there is against you, right? Elisha's prayer is open his eyes. What are you saying to me? Open your eyes. I know it may not seem like it right now and life is dark, but God loves you and he's for you. And there's far more in this whole galaxy that is for you and with you than what you see with just your physical eyes. You see, that's such a beautiful prayer of Elisha. 
Open his eyes. And I think that's a prayer that we today need to be praying. Open my eyes, Lord, to see the world the way that you see it. Right? When we pray, when we spend time communing with the Father, we get the eyes of the Father. We see that there is so much more to this world, that, that, that we, there's, you know, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but the rulers, the powers, and authorities of spiritual forces. We begin to see people not as enemies, but as those also made in the image of God. We begin to see the kingdom of heaven arriving on earth and then begin to imagine ourselves in it. I was uh, just reading the, the story of the rich young ruler, which basically this, this ruler comes up and is like, what do I need to do, Jesus? Enter into, you know, have eternal life. And, and Jesus is, is there. And then there's this little line that says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. What do you think that look from Jesus look like? And do we also see others that same way? You see, I think learning to see the world like Jesus does, like the Father does, is not, doesn't come from like the next strategy or um, you know, the, the, the next great book or the next um, great conference or whatever. I think we begin to have Jesus' eyes and start to see the world in the way that he sees it when we just commune with him, when we're with the creator of the universe. Without a lonely place, we tend to think that what we see is all there is. So maybe you're here, and the way that you see the world right now is not the way that God sees it. Maybe you feel hopeless. Maybe you feel in a rut. Maybe you feel ashamed for things you've done. Jesus doesn't see it that way. God gave his son Jesus so that we may be forgiven and fully loved and fully accepted and fully brought into his family. And we need to, as Christians, spend time communing with the Father, communing with Jesus, praying so that we can have his eyes too. So let me just close with a couple thoughts about this. One, um, do you have a lonely place? Do you have... A spot? Do you have a time crafted into your um, schedule? I, for me, lately, uh, the Eastminster Dock has been my spot, my lonely place. And it is great, except when the turtles come. I get so distracted, all right, when the turtles come and I got to switch it up. There's, I don't know, we're like infested with turtles in the pond. But um, that's been my spot, okay, where I've just been praying. Um, um, there is, um, in Eastminster, we have the prayer room. It's a beautiful place for you to pray. But where's your spot? Maybe you have like a chair. You know, some people have a chair that they, you know, maybe you get up early before everyone else. And you have some moment of silence and solitude. Maybe you have a long drive to work. I, I feel for um, the young moms here. I, I watch my wife. We've got two young kids. Like, do you have two minutes sometime, right, in your busy, busy, busy life? Where's your lonely place? Where's your place to commune with God? And if you don't have one, if prayer and being with God is not something that's part of your life right now, where could it be? What time could it be? You know, I, sometimes we, we get excited about an idea and we dive in and we're like, you know what? Yeah, I heard from a preacher I was supposed to pray, so I'm going to carve out eight hours tomorrow to pray, right? Like, we start small. Can maybe find, find a few times this week, spend time praying, be with God. 
maybe you're here and you're like, okay, that sounds good, but I, I don't know how to do that. Like, like I don't know those words that you use and that we say. The good news is that um, we actually got instruction, right? The, the disciples had the same question. They were just as clues. They, they came up to Jesus and like, how do we pray? And we're actually going to recite that prayer um, after we take communion. But what I've been doing recently is just praying through that prayer. And at each line, I just dwell on that line and kind of throw in my own stuff. So, you know, Father who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. God, thank you for being a good father. Right? For you, maybe, maybe the, the image of father is a great thing. It's a good thing. And when you hear that, you want, you want to praise God. But perhaps for you, the image of father is not good. And maybe your prayer is just, God, you know, you're described as a good father, but that's hard for me. Could you reveal to me what it means that you're a good father? Right? We can be real. And I go through line by line by line and just pray those things. It's not in trying to recite some certain word or the way that we sound. It's just being real with God. And then it's listening. When I was in high school, I remember one of my most um, just influential times of prayer was when we would set up a chair as if Jesus was sitting with us and we'd talk just with him. And then we'd listen for what he had to respond with. We live in such a world that finding quiet, finding times to be alone is, is difficult. But I think for us modern-day Christians, it's more crucial than ever. There are a lot of churches that do church well but don't have power and don't have the Spirit moving. And I think if we're going to see that in Eastminster and in Wichita and, and even in our own life, it has to start with us communing with God, being close to Him. Would you pray with me? Jesus, I thank you that you modeled for us what it looks like to be connected to you. God, we confess that we, um, we tend to get distracted easily. We, we, we latch on to the next best thing when what really is needed is for us just to be with you. We thank you that we know that we are with you, that you're with us, that you came to us, that we can have fellowship with you. So Jesus, I just pray that we would continue um, this evening in worship and in prayer, in a spirit of prayer, Lord, And that we would sense without a shadow of a doubt that you are with us. You're present here. Thank you, Jesus, for everything. Pray this in your name. Amen.